1: Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
2: Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is the Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Marie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. We're recording this Monday evening. We just got done with half the interviews for the Sugar Bowl. And it's like crazy. We're talking to people for 10 minutes at a time. Listen, just like just so everybody knows, stories aren't gonna be as good this year. Still go read them, but just don't blame us. I mean, just like whatever, you know, it's like everybody's getting the same answers. You're barely getting any information. We got six Ohio State players plus Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day. We got six Clemson players plus Dabo Sweeney and Brett Venables. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to use these Tuesday and Wednesday podcasts. So tomorrow, so today was Ohio State offense, Clemson defense. Then on Tuesday, it's going to be Clemson offense, Ohio State defense. And then we'll talk about all that on the wednesday pod so this is the tuesday morning pod and i i just wrote down some things that i wanted to bring up and we'll talk about it and if you want to be a tech subscriber you would already know a bunch of the stuff that we think about this because you would have gotten the text at 614-350-3315 nathan off the top a couple ohio state players talked about this we've sort of talked about this along the way i think josh myers was strong on this, the idea of Ohio state's best game is out there. I think Luke Farrell talked about this too, that they seem very sort of convinced of like, Hey, even the idea of we haven't had to play a great game because we haven't played great teams that they sort of admitted to like playing down to competition, or maybe even that would explain how the Indiana game goes from a blowout to a one score game. And that like, Hey, now it's Clemson. Now we know we need 60 minutes or we're dead what did you think of that, Nathan? Do you like? Do you believe them? Do you think it actually will happen? Can it happen? And what do you think of them sort of like the admitting a little bit of like, well, you know, it's been a weird year. We haven't really been at our best.
1: I, I think there's a kernel of truth to it to some extent that you get pushed to your best performance. I think that's not just true in football. It's true in, in a lot of ways, I'm sure. Um, I do think there's some of those things that can sometimes be a little bit of um, – that that kind of cliched after the fact you'll hear this in a lot of sports where um, a team gets upset and they'll come out and say well the other team we we just weren't ready to play today which is I don't know I think always those kind of little excuses you try to come up with those sort of things after the fact Um, but I do think there is something to the fact that in in a lot of these games Ohio State didn't have to play or really in all of its games did not have to play up to its ceiling in order to win that game and even like you say even the Indiana game it's 35 to 7 early in the third quarter it's why maybe I haven't thought that, that that it was um that they were that it wasn't like they were close to losing that game really at any point indiana never even came back and tied the game so uh um, well, they were a drive. indiana had the ball down one score i barely even crossed midfield with it at that point i mean
2: i i, I yes I but just, it wasn't you, like if the other team has the ball and if they <clears> score <throat> if your defensive back falls down and they complete one pass the game is tied that's close it's-
1: Especially okay. when you're talking it's about close, a, it,
0: offense that has been getting big plays the entire game, they were a normal drive at that point away from tying it. But
1: I guess what I was saying point. was I haven't completely put it in this like in the in the category of like amazing things that Indiana did this year, coming back from 35 to seven to still lose the game. Anyway, um, <laughs> all I'm saying is I, I think there is a, a kernel of truth to it that that. That you can be pushed to your best performance, but I think Ohio State obviously will be. I think they're, it, it's not just Coach Speak to say they're going to have to play their best game to be the team like Clemson, because this is the best most complete team they've played by far this season.
2: Is that what you're expecting all- as you analyze this game, Nathan, real quick. Are you expecting that we, that Ohio State will play better than they have all year?
1: as you make your
2: prediction, which we will do on the Thursday pod, is that going to factor into it? You are expecting that, or no. I don't know if I'm expecting it. Okay. All right, Stephen, go ahead.
0: There is a – I'm expecting it, but there is like a 5% part of me that's you go to turn on that light switch and it doesn't come on because Josh Myers admitted to it. It's like, yeah, we haven't played our best, but we also haven't had to play at our best because, I mean, quite frankly, there's just more talented than everybody they've played this year. So they, he's right. They haven't had to the play their best ability. So what happens if you go to that well and it's dry? So there's – it's a small percentage, but it's just something in the back of my head of – what if they if this is a team who's just been playing to the level of their competition because they know they're going to win anyway? What happens when the level of the competition raises to the point that you can't necessarily play that level?
1: And this opens up a whole other conversation, too, about what, what is Ohio State's best? What are they capable of doing at their best this year? Has that been um, lessened a little bit by just the way that this season has gone, the jumbled mess of this season? I mean,
2: I think what they are at their best is like – Fields is throwing to Olave and Wilson. And then when he's not throwing to them, he's handing off the Trey sermon and master Teague and you can't stop any of it. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it. The, the best looks like that. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Cause this is kind of one of these sports topics. I'm not even sure why I started with this. I just thought it was kind of weird how they said it because what I have sort of felt from Ohio state is not like playing down to level of competition. It's just been like, it's a wacky season. You, 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 started off pretty well for the first three games. And then you went canceled game, game, canceled game, game, canceled game, game. And like, you got a lot of sorts and stuff that that's, that to me is why they're out of sorts. Not because like, cause Rutgers stinks and they didn't play well in the second half against Rutgers because they played down to Rutgers. I don't know. I don't know. All right, screw it. I'm going to delete that whole thing. I hate that to kind of kind of conversation. There are better things about rivalries. There's Garrett Wilson stuff. There's what Justin Fields said. There's better stuff ahead, Steven, You asked the first Garrett Wilson question, right? Was that correct? How that worked out? Of course, I
0: did. And oh, I also yeah. appreciate the question you asked.
2: Um, so we did. So that I don't know even you know what we're writing about Garrett Wilson, but we did. I my question, I didn't just mostly sat back. I, I ate lunch for part of it today. <laughs> I had a, I had a lunch. What did I had? I had a McChicken, and I had turned my camera off at least. Because you're in the Zoom and there's like 70 people. There were like 90 people in the Zoom at one point, I think, because that's, you know, it's national people and Clemson people and Ohio State people. By the way, like when Clemson was talking, there were 4,000 Ohio State reporters in it. When Ohio State was reporting, I didn't see any, I didn't see many Clemson.
1: Matt Connolly was
2: the only guy I saw from. <laughs>
1: But nobody asked any. I didn't hear any Clemson people really asking questions.
2: Yeah. So I don't know if that's just how we roll. We're just a we're we're a big we're a herd. We so are a herd players. of Buckeye covers. So um. So yeah, it was just like it was wild. It was all over the place. But Stephen asked the first Garrett Wilson question. I ate my McChicken, and then I asked Garrett Wilson if he has the picture from the Fiesta Bowl of where he is parallel to the ground above the Clemson defender catching that ball in the first quarter. I said, how many photos of that do you have in your apartment? He said one, but it's in a good spot. And I said, how big is it? And he said, life size basically. So now this, see what this has done. And this has cracked the door on Stephen means going to Gary Wilson's apartment next year.
1: It is, Jerry, yeah.
2: Hey Jerry, Stephen just wants to go to write about the, fo- write about the poster. That's yeah. all, but he's got to see the poster in person. Yep. So Steven, you're welcome this i think is underrated i feel like i've underrated it i think maybe we've underrated it what garrett wilson was talking about he was talking about the big 10 championship game being frustrated with how he played but steven he really did talk about on about brian Hartline not being there and that garrett wilson not only didn't have his running mate didn't have the guy who takes some pressure off that we could all figure out and he admitted that hey they're All of a sudden, they're rolling every bit of coverage to me because they don't have to worry about Chris Olave. And he felt that happening against Northwestern. But then also beyond that, when he goes to the bench, Brian Hartline's not there to talk it out with him. And he was very strong on that, I thought, Stephen. And to me, it's like, all right, well, Chris Olave will be back. So that'll help Garrett Wilson. But Brian Hartline's going to be back. And maybe, maybe we underrated that, that that's their maybe best position of skill. And their coach was gone.
0: Yeah, I think that's more important. And obviously what Olave does on the field is what he does, and that speaks for itself. But Hartline also not being there is a bigger piece of that pie that's not getting talked about. And the reason why is that game with Olave being out was going, as I phrased the question, was going to be our first chance to see what 2021 was going to look like. With Garrett being the main guy and everybody scheming for him, and that means Julian Fleming and all these other wide receivers have to get involved a little bit. Um, Doc Smith and Jigba didn't play either, so that probably didn't help things. But when you're getting frustrated as a receiver and you need a coach to kind of coach you up a little bit and some different things that you can do to get open or maybe catch a ball like the one-handed interception that uh, Northwestern got in the end zone during that game, there's nobody to talk to. So he almost went through what Justin Fields went through against Michigan State, except against a better opponent on a bigger stage where you go back to the sideline and there's nobody for you to kind of – you know. And kind of go to to help you improve the, your play there because they needed Garrett Wilson and they weren't able to rely on Garrett Wilson because your running makes that there but also you're missing your coach and so it was honest and I that was a type of uh, that was an answer that would have made me go if this were a normal year okay let's go talk to Justin Fields about not having your position coach at a game okay let's go talk to Brian Hartline about maybe what He was thinking and kind of what he was going through his head as he's watching Garrett Wilson go through this. Like, this would have been a great question to kind of bounce around things. And even if I didn't write it for before a playoff game, this is a great offseason story to write leading into what next year is going to be like for him.
2: Like, tell me specifically, take Mm -hmm. me through a sideline conversation. You come off the field. This just happened. Do you go right to your coach? How long do you talk to him? Do you talk for 15 seconds? Do you talk for three minutes? Are you looking at the iPad and getting breaking down the film? Are you talking about you know, your release off the line? Are you talking about the kind of coverage they're rolling towards you? Take me exactly, how many times do Brian Hartline and Garrett Wilson talk on the sideline? Is Hartline coming to him? Is he going to Hartline? How much is Garrett suggesting stuff? Like exactly how it happens because really Garrett Wilson really was very honest about how he missed it. So Nathan, that part of it, and we'll get to Justin next. But, okay, Olave's gone. Wilson's thrown off by missing Olave and by missing Brian Hartline. The passing game, just like, it's not there. It's already a pretty good Northwestern defense. But Clemson's going to be better. I mean, that's the one thing about this. is like, Northwestern is a good team. Northwestern does not have great talent. As much as they have Greg Newsom, who then didn't, was hurt most of that game, and Brandon Joseph and guys, the, the Clemson talent is just next level. But that, to me, is like a... It's like an optimistic thing for Ohio State fans that if you thought, okay, the passing game was out of sync against Northwestern, it's not just one thing. It's like multiple things there, and all of them should be fixed by Friday. So it should be much better, right? Like like night and day better, Nathan? Like passing game, like instantaneously, boom, here we go, back to Justin Fields completing 85%.
1: Well, I mean, they had both receivers against Indiana, and that was also a game where they had some problems with the passing game. I don't think you can assume that just getting Chris Olave back in magically makes this an offense that goes out and just rolls through Clemson. Which is again, I think they're, I think they rank fifth nationally in yards per play allowed. They're fourth nationally in sacks. Um, they're fourth nationally in yards allowed per carry. Um, they're just a really strong defense, and it's and it's they they do what Northwestern does too. I mean, th- this is a there are guys on this defense that aren't five star guys it was isaiah simmons last year was a guy that was a lower ranked guy that they turned into something better there's other guys on this defense that they've done that with it's not just recruiting it's it's kind of the it's kind of both models it's they go out and obviously they get legit high level guys but they also coach them up too i think that's the thing that gets a little bit um overlooked with, with Clemson is is that it isn't just throwing pure talent on the field. It's that they do it with the coaching, too. So um, I, I don't assume that Ohio State's going to go out and just put up another 40-burger uh, on Friday just because they get Chris Alave back. I think it's more difficult than that.
2: What about Brian Hartline, though?
1: Brian Hartline was that's... there for the Indiana game, too, and they had, again, okay. they, had struggled, they, had, they struggled in the past game sometimes in that game, too, and Clemson's better than Indiana.
0: Yeah, but I think that... <laughs> You're right, but the Indiana struggles were more on Justin Field's decision making more than it was because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson couldn't get open.
1: Well, but if he makes bad decisions, what does it matter what Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are doing?
0: I think, but the the Northwestern game was more about Garrett Wilson literally just couldn't get open because they were scheming for him. Like I don't know how often he was actually open in that Northwestern game, even you though some of the more, catches he made.
2: You are more pessimistic about the offense. I mean, I I feel like we've spent a lot of time talking about the challenges that Clemson's offense will have for Ohio state's defense, but you are not explain your thinking on the Ohio state offense in this game, Nathan, where you are right now.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that they won't be be better. I mean, they will be better. I'm not saying they They should They should definitely be in a better situation. They'll, the the offensive of line has been together fully for the last two weeks and practicing as far as we know, and then putting Olave back into the fold. Um, and we don't know the full health. We didn't really get to ask today about Master Teague, but I don't know that that necessarily matters. I guess they'll just ride Trey Sermon. I think this offense should be in better position for, the, for Clemson than it was against Northwestern. I also think that that might not, make the difference though i mean again you you're taking a better offense up against a better defense i I, and and i so that's why i think like i i don't assume that Ohio state can put up um massive yards and massive points against clemson just because chris olave is coming back um or just because brian hartline is going to be on the sideline it's it's more about um i I think it's just it's it it's it's a tougher dynamic than that
0: justin had 300 yards against indiana and 270 of them were chris olave and garrett wilson i i don't think the problem Like I said, I understand what you're saying. I just think the problem was more Northwestern had a scheme that because one of them was also out, the other one could not get open. And even when he made catches, they were very heavily contested. With the other one back on the field, plus the wide receiver coach back, I don't think – even if Justin Fields has two or three interceptions, I don't see a world where he doesn't get to at least 250 yards and those two don't combine for at least 110. Just given the amount of targets they get,
2: I mean, the big thing, Ohio state led Indiana 35 to seven. And then Justin got a little loose and started turning it over. So they didn't exactly, I mean, to the point they didn't stop master Teague. he ran for like 169 yards in that game. And they didn't really stop Olave and Wilson, Justin turned it over and that let them get back in the game. So, um, and those are two different things. I think, I think there's the one thing about like getting guys going and getting them open and trying to move the ball which they couldn't really do against Northwestern in the past game, right? That that was – Justin had, you know, the pick where he threw it to Jameis Williamson and he cut the route up and that kind of thing. But also they just couldn't – they couldn't throw it like they normally do. Indiana, they threw it for a chunk of the game, but then they turned it over, which helped Indiana get back in it. And then Justin was dealing with the blitzes and that kind of stuff. So I do think it's sort of two different things. Nathan, so you – the, the Justin turning it over slash holding the ball and then like taking sacks when they get splits and that kind of thing, that's one thing. The game plan that sort of takes Olave and Wilson out of it or shuts down the run or whatever, that's sort of another thing where one is you can't move the ball and then maybe another one is you're not putting points up because you're making mistakes, but you are moving it. Do you think they, they might have issues moving it? because whatever, they'll lock it down? Or do you think more it's they might get after Justin in a way that brings some of those mistakes back into it or both?
1: I like, yeah, you can't shut Ohio State down offensively on both sides or you know both both facets for an entire game. I mean, even last year, Ohio State put up 517 yards against a pretty good Clemson defense. It was just the failures in the red zone that kept them from the, the points they should have had in that game and possibly winning that game. So I think they're going to move the ball, and again, I don't. I'm not saying that they won't, that they can't get into a high-scoring game. I'm just saying that just throwing a back into it is not the solution alone. That it's 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 much more about execution than just putting another piece of the puzzle back out on the field.
0: I don't agree with that. I think it's easier to execute when they're both on the field because you're not taking away both of them. But I guess you the might question is one. But
2: when have they not moved it when they've had their guys? Is the question. Have they have they not moved it when they've had their guys? Put it this way. Well, before I mean, the Northwest game. They were up game, 35
1: to 7 against Indiana and didn't score the rest of the game.
2: That's because, because they turned it over. interceptions.
1: Do all three West, of those after that? He threw all three of those after they were up 35 to 7? He was turning the ball over early in the game, too.
2: Uh, he threw. Yeah, he had one early. Two of them were after, and they missed yeah. a field goal after that, that counted as not scoring.
0: The point so, is. I, before that Western game, Garrett Wilson had all, 100 yards in all but one game. And Chris Olave's had 100 yards in all but one game. So the point: if one of them is not on the field, it's easier to take away the other one because you just scheme up for them. If they're both on the field, you can try to take away one of them. And that just means the other one's probably going off on the other side of the field or in the slot or outside, depending on which one you're taking away. So. I don't think there's not going to be a problem moving the ball. The problem is do drives get stagnated all of a sudden, Because get stopped all of a sudden because Justin Fields is throwing turnovers. It's it's throwing interceptions. It has nothing to do with their ability to move the ball. It's just, okay, did you just have a 40-yard completion, but then Justin do a turnover, do an interception, excuse me. And then did you have a drive that was going 80 yards, and then Justin Fields do an interception in the red zone? That's more of the – that was the issue. To the, not the interceptions, but the, the fact of a drive getting stagnated by one play was the issue. It wasn't that they couldn't move the ball. It's that they got to a certain point and everything halted. But the drive in itself was usually we quality. It. We get it.
2: You get it. You're sounding like me now. You're saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, that's, my, no. that's my jam. Um, <laughs> and after they got, they got up 35 – after they got to 35 against Indiana – After that, they had two picks, they had a missed field goal, and they had the possession where they went for it on fourth and one and didn't get it at like the seven-yard line. So they were moving it. They didn't stop moving it. They stopped scoring because of a lot of other factors. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back. We have Justin Fields talking about how he feels, and we have Brent Venable, sign stealer, next on Buckeye Talk. All right. Let's talk about the sign stealing first. I'm a dope. I, I, I don't know. uh, I didn't know this was like a huge thing. And then it was like Pat 40, go read the Pat 40 story. It's really good. You read it, Nathan, Steven, you read it.
1: I read it it, back when it first posted months ago, because early November I was skimmed. And then today I kind of skimmed back through it because I made, I wrote a post about it.
2: So I would, I just would recommend it to anybody. It's very informative because it's about Brent Venables, the Clemson defensive coordinator and how good Clemson is at stealing signs and which means stealing the offensive signals and knowing the play that's coming. And the, this, the headline is follow the signs how Clemson football mastered the totally legal art of signal stealing. And the most interesting part of this for Ohio state fans is at the end of the story where the conversation is about how Ohio state moved the ball so well against Clemson last year. And this is what Pat Forty writes. And I want you to go read Pat's story because it's just really well done. In Ohio State's first five possessions in the Fiesta Bowl last year, it produced four scoring drives and 290 offensive yards on 35 snaps. That's an average of 8.29 yards per play. The next eight possessions led to one scoring drive, 243 total yards and 4.86 yards per play. Did Venables support staff crack the Buckeyes play calling code during the game? A couple of staffers at other schools suggested it. Again, they go from 8.29 yards per play to 4.86 yards per play. And this matters, Nathan, because Ryan Day brought it up on Monday. What do you say?
1: Um, Well, it was, (laughs) he had already answered one question kind of, you know, complimenting, Clemson's defense for you know how disruptive it is and and things like that and um, then he was asked kind of a follow-up question uh, along the same lines I'm trying to get the exact quote here Um, um, said um, asked about Brent Venables the, the defensive coordinator and said yeah I mean he's one of the best defensive coordinators in college football and he does a great job calling the game seems to always know exactly what the other team is doing in terms of the plays that they're running each play and seems to call the right defense into that play a lot I'm putting some of my own inflection here. And why that is, I don't really know. But I can tell you that he's been doing it for a long time, and it's a good challenge. Which I, I took as, I mean, that's about as close to trash-talking as Ryan Day, I think, is going to get. And I, I found it to be a little bit coy, but, a, but pretty pointed. And kind of saying, um, uh, at the same time, though, I, I have a hard time believing that Ohio State doesn't do some version of this, too. I think this is just—it's widespread in college football. Like, it's widespread in all sports. Like, if somebody's telegraphing their signals, that's why every team has multiple guys out there doing the crazy semaphore weird stuff and the different colored hats and stuff. It's—it's it's to mix up your signals because they know everybody does it. If you want to do inflection, by the
2: way, you say, "I don't know how Brad Venable—he—he he seems to always—that's not it. You didn't do inflection. What's, what's your voice barely modulated." All yeah, right,
0: you were right. very calm saying that. I still feel
2: like you were a lot more animated than Ryan Day was when he actually said the quote. <laughs> okay. what? Did, okay, so I'm I'm dense. Did everybody immediately – because I was talking to somebody else who caught the shade, and I was like, what? What shade? I did not catch the shade at all. I was like, oh, yeah, Brent Venables, he knows what's up. Did you guys both caught the shade in the moment?
0: Yeah. Day has this – when he actually does – talking a little bit of trash sometimes but you got to catch it because it's very monotone where it's you don't realize he was saying anything until after maybe five or six minutes go by you go wait a minute was he talking trash and that's what that moment was I didn't catch it in the moment until I sat back for a second and was like wait a minute
2: so this is not a Houston Astros garbage can lid situation as the, no. as Pat 40 story says, it's all right. legal. And it's almost one of those things of like, it, to me, it's almost like reverse trash talking. It's like, Hey, yeah, you think you're so cool. You figured out everything we wanted to do. You jerk. Like right. what it's like, what is the, what is like the, what is the burn? I'm like, Hey, you, you're smarter than us. <laughs> like. It's- you're you're an excellent spy way to steal stuff legally and gain an advantage that leads to national titles
1: Ha-ha. we were uh when i was like i don't know 15 16 i was playing on a baseball team in the summer and we were playing for like the, the the game to go to state or whatever it was and we had it's it's a it's an old thing in baseball like a system where like you can you steal the other team signs and you have like some way to like subtly you hope Relay, whether it's a one or a two, fastball, curveball type thing, or whatever, whatever thing. But whoever, like somebody on our team, figured it out what we were playing. But they weren't subtle about it. This kid that was at second base, he just started holding up a one or a two as to what was going to be coming. And I was at the plate, and at one point, the catcher literally step, stands up and says, points down at the guy and says, "Hey, stop stealing signs." that's what this oh. felt like a little bit to me. <laughs> I thought you were
2: going to say, and so your teammate was signaling one and twos to you. And then the pitcher put a <laughs> fastball in your ear hole.
1: No, no. And not, not only that, but knowing what pitch was coming was of little help for me.
2: Belt, buckle, bunt, right. Is that it? Belt, buckle, bunt. That's what we always did. So
1: yeah. It's usually that, that's a pretty standard one. I was a decent bunter.
2: <laughs> Buckeye talk. <laughs> uh, so like, I think it's super interesting and the whole thing with this. And now that I don't know, I, apparently people have known this forever and I I didn't know, but it's like Brett Venables signals, his defensive signals in really late because he waits to sort of see what the offense mm-hmm. is doing. And again, go read Pat 40 story. It's like, they gather all the info and then they say, Hey, 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 hey they're doing this. And then Brett Venables is like, Oh, cover two, cover two really late. And it gives them an edge, but, it's interesting, the idea of that, you know, maybe that contributed in some way that it wasn't just magically that the Ohio State offense slowed down. Now, J.K. Dobbins got hurt and that was a factor. But you throw in this, Steven, and it's like it, it opens the lot, you know, opens the cracks the door a little bit on. Hey, maybe that's what happened. But now it's up to Ryan Day. It's not Brent Venables. They're going to do what they're going to do. Stephen Ryan Day has to make mm-hmm. sure they don't get stolen this time if they did get stolen last time.
0: And he actually took advantage of that in the first half, the fact that Brett does get his stuff in late. And that's when, you, that's when things were rolling. That's when you saw the QB sneak and all that stuff. But when they lost momentum, um, a lot of that went out the door because it no longer ma- mattered, which is why he was talking about, you know, keep keeping with tempo, keeping our foot on the air, all that, you know, all the cliche stuff. That matters. I think if, if Ohio State's going to win this game, they might need to get up early and kind of if they get into the red zone, they need to score and they need to make it a little bit of an uphill climb for Clemson to get back into this game. It can't be like last year where they're settling for field goals, because if Clemson is close enough and they start figuring you out, that's when they start working their way back into the game, which is part of the reason they don't really blow a lot of teams out because they do kind of figure some things out late and they don't get rolling to
2: the second half. And Ohio state likes tempo anyway. I mean, again, yeah. and this story is kind of like maybe just you, you go tempo and you start doing stuff before, Clemson can adapt anything. So I thought that was interesting. I also thought Justin Fields was interesting. Um, Justin gave some short answers on some stuff, which is fine, but I don't care if guys give short answers. Just understand that I'm going to read into it, So, which is fine. But to me, it was just like a little bit of like, I don't really want to talk about why maybe things aren't great. I just want to go out and make it better. Uh, But he did say that he thought he was maybe viewing the last couple games almost as like he said, maybe God's sort of trying to make it hard for me to make me have to push myself kind of thing. And that he said, I'm, I'm working harder. I'm preparing more than I ever have before. Nathan, you're going to write sort of a big quarterback thing before this game about this, this Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence matchup again. I thought Justin is just by by sort of just not giving long answers to some stuff, just maybe a little bit frustrated, but also just clearly to me wants to, I mean, obviously wants to put that to bed. He does not want to be the guy who ends his college career, not playing his best. And he did also kind of admit today. He knows he hasn't been playing his best. What did you think of the whole Justin vibe?
1: I definitely felt that like, um, that the the short answers and it was whether it was in relation to some of how he has played or how, um, or about the thumb, he gave a one sentence answer about how his thumb felt, which didn't really say anything about the thumb just said, I'll be ready to go Friday or something along those lines. Um, There was a question I tried to ask him about this, that intellectual matchup with uh, between with him and him and coach day or Ryan day against coach uh, Brent Venables. And he, I think just misinterpreted. Maybe I asked a bad question, but act like he had already answered that question and was moving on. Like it was, I, I, it, it was one of the less um, friendly, I guess <laughs> not that he was like, he wasn't being a jerk. I just felt like he, he wasn't really feeling it today. And I think you're right. I, the, the vibe I did get was that I think he's, he's had time to sit around a lot of this second half of the season and think about two of the three games he's played have been, poor games at least by his standard certainly poor games so i think he that is i think the underlying vibe there is a kid who is a guy who is ready to get out on the field and kind of reverse the trajectory that this has taken on him the last month
0: i think it's that but then i also think that he kind of came into this thinking that he might get a bunch of questions about his and about trevor and i think he's sick of answering questions about injuries and about trevor because if you remember last year, when we got to talk to like the premier players the first day, it was a bunch of questions on which braces you're going to wear, what percentages your knee is like, and he was answering them freely. And then the next time we talked to him, it was very clear that everybody told him to stop talking about his knee. As a matter of fact, he went on the Big Ten Network and said, yeah, I'm not supposed to be answering questions about my knee anymore. So can we move forward? So I think he kind of came in with that mindset, I don't want to talk about a thumb injury, whether it's severe or not, but then also I'm not in the mood to answer questions about Trevor. And I think he thought both of those would be the story of the
2: day. Which by the way, so both and Ryan day was dismissive about the thumb too. Mm -hmm. listen. I'm just, I'm not trying to freak anybody out. The fact that they did that last year and that like, they weren't saying anything and like, They didn't say anything. And then Justin's like walking with, you know, doing the band thing before the Michigan game in a knee brace. And it's like, and then we get to Justin like this year and you guys, I mean, when we're doing like the, Hey, the regrets, it's like, Oh yeah. My knee was really quite in bad shape last year. Like I couldn't be myself at all. And it's like, okay, well, you didn't, nobody was really saying, you know, like uh, it makes me, that's in my head a little bit about the thumb, to be honest about like, they're like, I'll be fine. Like both their answers are basically like, I'll be fine and they weren't exactly the most forthcoming about the knee a year ago, and the knee was an issue. And so I'm not saying the thumb's going to be an issue, but I'm saying this in my head. Now, they might have just said, oh, I'll be fine, because it's going to be fine. But sometimes I think, well, if it was fine, they'd say, oh, you know what? We were a little bit worried about it. Then we got in, we got the x-ray, we saw that it was fine. He's been just doing a couple exercises to strengthen it. We've been a little bit careful, but we really like how it's coming along. And we feel really good about where it is. We have great trainers Justin's working on it he puts ice on it afterward he's doing a little stim or whatever like am I wrong like if it was okay you can give a big long answer about how it's okay and Mm. when you say that's fine makes me think like is it see that's inflection Nathan is it and I'm trying I'm not trying to freak people out but what do you think Nathan
1: well, and we should say real quick that Chris Olave was asked about how Justin Fields looked and he said he's looked fine in practice for the past week. So, mm-hmm. um, or Garrett Wilson, I'm sorry, not, not sure it, Garrett Wilson was asked. So um, that that was a, a little bit more of a direct answer about how he has, how he has performed. But yeah, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And, and again, this is, we're only basing this off of what they themselves said after the game or immediately after the game or what Justin Fields, I guess, more to the point, said immediately after the game. Ryan Day didn't get really um descriptive about it but i mean justin fields is the one who went on national tv and said he might have to get an x-ray said called it a sprained thumb said that it was killing him that was his words i mean he was talking about like basically like being in agony said he couldn't throw the ball said he like literally went to his coach and said i can't throw so after all of that like that's everything we're basing this on that's the only information we're asking for is like what's an update uh, since the last time we talked to you, when you said your thumb was killing you and you couldn't throw the ball, and you might have to get an X-ray, this isn't the media making something up. Now, th- is it going to maybe get ridiculous as this always does, where we're going to have like you know uh, telescopes trying to see his thumb as he walks into the uh, to the Superdome on Friday, uh, probably? But that's just part of it.
0: What this boils Hi. down to is that Justin's got to stop being so honest every time he talks to us, and they wouldn't be in this problem.
2: Well, it still would be the problem. And the problem well then we'd well We we wouldn't
0: we wouldn't have known about the thumb if he not said it on national television. That's why everybody wouldn't but, have looked up we went back and looked at the video. Had he not said a single word about the thumb then, we'd have just been if he walked in with a thumb brace on for the uh college football playoff, we'd just been wondering why he's wearing a brace.
2: Well, he wore a brace during the game. So that's why he yeah. was asked about yeah. it. He had a brace on. So he could have said, like, Ah, it's no big deal. Okay,
1: I didn't see that. But yeah, the other so. reason they might brush past it too is, I mean, how bad do you think that thumb would have to be for Justin Fields not to play? I mean, he's playing, no, in the but game. it's not about, so, uh,
2: obviously, but it's not about not playing. I, I, nobody has a question about he's going to play the ball, right? yeah. It's about, are you 80%? Are you 60%? Are you 98%? I mean, nobody's a hundred percent at the end of the year. You're 92%. You're 73%. Can you not throw a deep ball? Can you not throw that out to the far side of the field? Do you not want to throw down the middle? Cause you can't, you're not sure that you have the accuracy that you normally have. So you take some stuff off the route. I, I don't know. That's all I'm saying. And I don't expect them to answer it, but I also just don't, I'm not going to necessarily take their answers at face value because, but you know, great. So all I did was freak everybody out and provide no information. Buckeye talk.
1: <laughs> no, uh, no, no it, you're, you're, it's, it's definitely a, a topic worth bringing up and topic worth monitoring later this week. I mean, we're going to get to talk to people again, but I don't think they're going to be more forthcoming.
2: All right. Last quick break, and we'll come back talking about whether this is a rivalry, which was brought up several times on both sides on Monday. And I found the answers slightly interesting, even though the question's kind of silly. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Is there anything? So I have this rivalry stuff. Is there anything else that you guys heard? on Monday that you want to talk about, you know, we talked about James Skalski, the Clemson linebacker. He's a good player. Talked to Trace Sermon. He was kind of not, you know, Trace coming off the greatest rushing game ever. Wasn't particularly, you know, didn't let us in a lot about how he's feeling, just thinks they'll run the ball. You know, um, Wyatt Davis, I thought was pretty good about like, he feels like, you know, that, that they enjoyed kind of getting the run game going. What well, other than the rivalry, what have we not talked about Steven that, that you wanted to talk about on this podcast?
0: I mean, do we want to discuss people getting a chance to ask Dabo questions about the 11 thing and some of his answers about not caring about what Buckeye fans think about and all that stuff?
2: Yeah, we probably should talk about Dabo. Is it possible that I liked him more after today? I do. do. (laughs) After today? I I do. I do.
0: This was the least amount of weasel I've ever seen. He was, it was basically, yeah, I did that. I knew it was coming out. I knew you were going to see it. Oh, well, deal with it.
2: So, but I will say a little, so I agree with that, but it also was a little bit to me like this. It's like, hey, listen, I love the taste of seal meat. So yeah, I club baby seals, (laughs) but I love seal meat. How else am I going to get it? I mean, I'm not going to order it on the black market. So if I I want seal meat for dinner, I'm going to go out, I'm going to find a delicious baby seal and I'm going to club it to death. And if you don't like that, I mean, what am I supposed to do? I enjoy, is it my fault that I like seal meat? I am who I am. It was a little bit like that to me that like, just because you're honest about it doesn't also make it right. But he was like completely just like, Whoa, what are you going to do? So Steven kind of Steven likes Dabo. Exactly. I liked him a little bit more. Steven likes Dabo, Buckeye talk. Nathan, what'd you think of it?
1: Yeah. And again, it's, uh, I thought he brought up a good point. I didn't go back and fact check this as I put it out in the text. And I haven't had a chance to, to fact check it since then, but he said in 2017 on his final coaches poll ballot he voted alabama outside the top four and he's an alabama alum like he, he <laughs> like if you think if the other the only place that he would have more loyalty to than clemson you would think would be alabama and he knew that he was going to take a bunch of uh crap about it that year and i guess he probably did um now that's not quite now if you vote alabama fifth and they actually make the playoff that's different than voting ohio state 11th but uh, you know again it's kind of what i wrote today it's like say what you will about the guy um I don't feel that he is, uh, and you may even want to call it disingenuous, right? Because if, if the situation reversed, would he have been voting Clemson outside of the top ten if they had only played six games? Would he have said, Heck "I just don't no. think that's right"? Right? No, so, of course not. So again, there's there's only so much you can respect here when you think that, but I, I I do think he's willing. He's not brushing it off. He's sitting there, and in fact, he's he's using it to to give a bunch of. And he talked for like. 10, 15 minutes it felt like today about that. A long time today. He welcomed all the questions that we wanted to ask about that because it meant nobody else was asking him a question about football.
0: Clemson's coaches give the longest soliloquies I've ever heard in my life when they answer questions. It's You kind of zone out because you're like, man, I don't even remember what the question was because they go off on these tangents. But yeah, I respect anybody who's going to live their truth out loud. Even if it's bad.
2: Well, (laughs) <laughs> no well, I don't know if I uh, agree with that <laughs> just
0: saying don't do it but listen if you're going to do it behind closed doors do it in somebody's face and him this is do it in somebody's face this isn't a coach's poll that you're hoping it doesn't come out no this is you owning your answers and being cool with it and not really caring what anybody else feels about it I respect that, uh,
1: that and here's the other I thing like this. the coach's poll doesn't actually matter I mean it, neither of these of polls not. actually matter and this is a way to like he was clearly trying to make a point about the season in general. It wasn't a point about Ohio state. Correct. The
2: point he was trying to make the point that he was trying to make. Honestly, the principal point that he was honestly trying to make without hiding it is full of malarkey, but he backs it up. I also just want to say, I
1: also just want to say we've heard on like, since I've been here since last August, all I've heard from, Ohio state fans is about the week schedule that Clemson plays and how they get to walk into the playoff every year. So if you're telling me if the situation were reversed, if Ohio state hadn't played a full season and Clemson had only played six to this point, that there wouldn't be Ohio state fans grumbling about the easy path that Clemson had to the playoff
2: for sure. But I also don't think Ryan day would vote of them 11th.
1: No, I don't. I, I'm talking about Ryan day, but I'm just talking about, we're talking about no, I don't, fans, it fans, talking about fans I don't, versus
0: a coach. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's not the
1: same. This is that's a coach
0: doing it. Yeah, this is – a fan's viewpoint is – they're allowed to be, you know, ridiculous with their, with their thought process. This is a coach we're talking about.
2: But I do – so, and then the other thing that did come up in regards to this is Garrett Wilson said, like, every, every Ohio State guy asked about it, it was like, yeah, we know. And Garrett Wilson yeah. said it adds fuel to the fire. So I wrote the big thing at the time. This is, like, crazy bulletin board material. Steven, it's clearly being used as bulletin board material by Ohio State, Correct.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, we all saw the, the video that got posted online. But
2: yes, uh, everything that what that was the video. Does. I didn't see the video. What oh, was the video of DeMario? No, the, we the saw. That. Oh, that didn't no, no, that's not. That's, that's it. not it. That's Dabo. different. That's not. That's not eleventh in the poll. That's just Ryan Day talking to his team.
0: Yeah, know. What I'm saying is, like, if that's what, if that's just Ryan Day talking to his team, imagine what the players talk about amongst themselves when they see Dabo do something like this or say anything that might even relate to Ohio State New anyway. That was the point I'm making.
2: No, but coaches talk. I don't you're the athlete. I didn't think that was anything. The Demario thing of like saying your coach gets up and rips your future opponent and says, we're going to kick their butts. Doesn't every coach in every locker room in America do that? Yes.
0: What I'm saying is if, you know, if that's what the normal is, that pretty normal, Imagine what when they're reacting to something another, their opponent is saying about them.
2: Okay. So right. But clearly Ryan, right. Nathan. I mean, this was brought up to the players. The players didn't just come across this by themselves. This was brought to their attention and emphasized by the Ohio state staff.
1: Well, I mean, these, these guys are on social media and, and everything anyway. I mean, they see stuff as fast. A lot of times probably see it faster than their coaches would, if the coaches wanted to pass them along stuff like that. Um, but I'm sure that there were people on the staff at Ohio state whose job it was to make sure that all uh, 85 scholarship players, and then some were aware of that.
2: Okay. So the last thing I want to talk about is the rivalry. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Nathan? Steven brought up the Dabo stuff, which was good. We needed to talk about that. Anything else that was on your mind?
1: Um, I, I thought Garrett Wilson gave an interesting answer about the, the short turnaround and how that might actually be beneficial. It was kind of something we were talking about on, the, I think, the Madness Pod the other day, that it actually the, – that the coaches are probably ecstatic – not ecstatic. They they know they're missing out on some of the bowl festivities and all that chummy stuff. But I think there's there there's a benefit possibly – for, for these teams um, to be able to just focus on football uh, for this shortened period of time, even if it is a shortened period of time, but to be able to fully focus on football, um, get rid of all the bowl distractions and just try to go win a game as if it's a normal game. I thought he gave um, an interesting answer about that. Is how, as an athlete, when you're preparing for the same team for three weeks, it's not necessarily an immersion that happens. It can sometimes just grind on you a little bit and you can it, you can almost get more distracted that way.
0: I think a team who has gone through what Ohio State's gone through for the last month, I think just going straight through and not having to wait three weeks is probably better for continuity purposes.
2: And, and some of the
0: they've had their moments sitting around. Go ahead, Doug.
2: Well, I, and as you're saying, I mean, didn't Josh Myers and some other guys said it feels like they're finally getting like a rhythm to the season a little yeah. bit? This is the most they've been in rhythm because they, you know, they've they've had three of their last six games canceled. It's like, all right, you got 12 days to prepare for a game that you're definitely gonna play. That Steven, that like they're they're, I think, maybe in the groove for the first time in a month and a half.
0: Yeah. I mean, probably being an athlete is all routine. And Josh Meyer said it. Last year, every single week was the exact same for me. And no week has been the exact same for me this year, which is as an athlete, that's probably not good <laughs> as you're trying to get into a routine and, and build on a championship season. And Ohio State hasn't had a chance to do that. So the less time they have between games at this point is probably better.
2: All right, so the question that that both sides got was basically like, is this a rivalry game? And I thought the answers from Clemson was no, and the answers from Ohio State were yes. Did you guys think that's, Nathan, that's how that broke down to you? I'm not surprised by that, but I thought it was clearly different how the two sides answered that question, whether Ohio State-Clemson is a rivalry.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, I mean, how big of a rivalry is Ohio State-Wisconsin? I mean, it's it was not a nearly. A while. While. Yeah, it it, it, it is. It is a rivalry of sorts, but it, you don't think of it the same way you think of Michigan or probably even Penn State, um, because for several years now, Wisconsin hasn't beaten Ohio State. It, it, I think that's a little bit what this reminds me of. It, it's it's the team that you have to play uh, because they're the team that gets sent there on your path to go to the national championship game or or win it. But until they beat you, I don't think you respect them as a rival um, the way that you do if you're the team that's getting beat.
0: I think I wrote this at one point, but I think there are two types of rivals. There's like your actual historical rival, which is Michigan, who Ohio State is obsessed about beating. And then there's your time period rival, which is, this is just a team you constantly keep running into, which Ohio State is also obsessed with in Clemson. So by that standard, it is a rivalry. It's just both of Ohio State's quote unquote rivalries right now are one sided, one in favor of Ohio State and one in, not in favor of Ohio State.
2: But Clemson doesn't see it as it. Clemson right. does yeah. not see this as any different but. than if they were playing Michigan or Penn State mm-hmm. or USC or Oklahoma. It's a semifinal, and every semifinal is a big deal because you're one game away from playing for the national championship. They do not give two hoots that it's Ohio State.
1: It's because Clemson's time period rival is. I was going to say Alabama, but really it's the SEC. I mean, that's, that's who they're compared to at all times. They're compared to at the end of the year. Did you go to the playoff and beat the SEC champion? Cause the big 10 champion hasn't proved itself of being uh, at that level yet. So Clemson has a different time period rival. It has one. It's just not Ohio state.
0: And that one's going back and forth while wow, this one with Ohio state, I mean, they just keep, I mean, they're playing them. They're just beating them.
2: But it's not a rivalry, right? right. I'm Steve, agreeing if, with you. But, but yeah, Steve, do you agree with the, that, that, that to Clemson? It's not a rivalry.
0: From the no, if I was a Clemson fan, I wouldn't see that as a rivalry. It's just another but the players up.
2: today, the players today, the players who I mean, yeah, fans mm. can say whatever they want, but the players today I thought were just like dismissive of like, ah, uh, not dismissive of Ohio State, but dismissive of the idea because it's like, I don't know, man. Like, it's a semifinal. What do you want me to say? I it's a big game because it's a semifinal, and the Ohio State guy said, This is what we've wanted. Like didn't Josh Myers say like, thank God we're here. And mm-hmm. like, it wasn't just about being in the semifinal it was about Clemson. So I just like, that's clear. Not that we didn't know it. I thought it was reinforced. What we thought was reinforced. And sometimes this stuff is mumbo jumbo, but I thought the difference was clear today. And I guess the question is, Steven, does it matter for the game that one views it as one way, one views it another way. Is it an edge for Ohio state to have a little more that they want to go after? where for Clemson. It's just another semifinal, or is it better for Clemson that they're not getting overhyped and they're just trying to win? They don't care who it is. Does it matter for the game?
0: I think both answers are correct because I, for Ohio State, it does mean more for this to have to go through Clemson, just like it meant more to have to go through Bama in twenty fourteen. While because because Ohio State's still trying to get to a certain you know spot on the totem pole that Clemson and Alabama clearly have. And so for Alabama, they're in a position where it's allowed to not mean as much. So I think in this situation, if Clemson gets emotionally involved, it's probably to their detriment, while with Ohio State, if they don't get emotionally involved, it's probably to their detriment. So both answers,
1: I think. So I so yes. think
2: both teams are playing it in a way that helps them. Yeah. Nathan, what do you think if it matters?
1: I mean, I think I agree from the standpoint that it, is, it has helped – fuel Ohio State to get to this point um I mean Clemson but again for Clemson I think it's more just about you know they haven't won they didn't win the national championship last year they didn't beat that SEC champion James Kowski today was talking about being 0 for 2 in New Orleans those sort of things mainly they have their own motivations just because they don't have anything to do with Ohio State I think those are still there for them to, to grasp onto and and help push them through this week too.
2: In the playoff era, regular season records in the playoff era since 2014, Alabama is 89 and eight. That's a uh, 0.918 winning percentage. Ohio State is 81 and eight. And that's mostly a factor of Ohio State only playing six games so far this year. That's a a 0.910 winning percentage. Clemson is 89 and nine that's a 0.908 winning percentage no other team in the playoff era has a winning percentage above 814 so that's how far and away these three teams are Ohio State's winning percentage is actually slightly above Clemson but in the playoff Clemson and Alabama both six and three overall playoff record Ohio State two and two So like that, they got the two when they won the two when they won the national championship and they've lost in the semifinals the two times they've been there since. So it is a reminder that and again, Clemson's first year in 14, I think they were 10 and three. So it's like a third of their losses were the first year, but that's where they are. The playoff era. That's a good place to draw a line because college football really changed then. That's a good place to draw a line. That's those three teams are so far and above everybody else. But Ohio State is not close when it comes to actually getting it done in the actual playoff. That is our Tuesday Buckeye Talk. On Tuesday, we will talk to Trevor Lawrence. We will talk to Tommy Togiai. We will talk to Sean Wade. We will talk to Pete Werner. We'll talk to Travis Etienne. We'll bring all that to you on the Wednesday morning podcast. And then we will do our picks and preview pod for Thursday. We have to figure out if it's going to be a live Zoom like we did several times during the regular season. It might be on Wednesday night like a live Zoom with our tech subscribers. It might not be. We got to fit our schedules because Thursday morning is when Stephen and Nathan are flying to New Orleans, so they have to be ready for that. We appreciate you guys hanging with us on Buckeye Talk. Try the text at six one four three five zero three three one five. Drop the reviews at Apple Podcasts. Read cleveland.com slash osu for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.